Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for the next episode of This One Thing. I'm Crystal Wright, and I'm here with Melina Puente. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Melina. And we are excited because we're going to be looking at an Old Testament passage, and we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. And I'm going to start by reading the scripture, and then we'll take the discussion from there. So 1 Samuel seven twelve says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So to kind of get our discussion started, I thought it would be helpful to just highlight some things about Samuel, who he was. He's the speaker in this verse. He's the one making this declaration and taking the stone and he's calling it an Ebenezer stone and making this declaration about thus far or the Lord has helped us. And so who is Samuel? Samuel, his name means God has heard. And Samuel was a judge, a priest, and a prophet. And he was a really key leader who got appointed to, at the time that Israel was transitioning from being tribes and under the rule of judges, into the time of the kings and the kingdom and of the prophets. And so Samuel was almost this transitional spiritual leader that walked through each of those steps with the people of Israel and functioned as the last judge of Israel and also the first prophet of Israel, but he was a priest as well. Samuel's life in and of itself was a miracle. Uh, Samuel was born in response to his mother Hannah's prayers, crying out to God that she be given a child. She was barren, and God answered that prayer, and Samuel was then dedicated. His life was dedicated to the service of the Lord. Samuel anointed the first two kings of Israel, and he was also known as a man of prayer. But I want to go back to Samuel's very beginning when Hannah dedicated Samuel and was giving thanks to God for having answered her prayers for a son. She writes a poem in the second chapter of 1 Samuel, and the essence of that poem is recognizing that no matter what things seem like, the truth is God is always at work, and that his heart is that he gives grace to the humble. He does oppose the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And her poem, in a lot of ways, sets up the theme that we see of Samuel's life, as well as the history of Israel that he um, governs over. So I think that's a really important kind of place to start in recognizing that Samuel's life, in a lot of ways, was exemplary of the idea that God is at work and he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, Melina, would you jump in now and just share what you took out of the story and out of this verse in particular, the truth? Yes, this was a great verse. So thank you so much, Crystal, for choosing this one. And the truth for me that was spoken in this particular verse was how faithful God is and how 
Samuel wanted to create something to mark that. And I think in the history of God's people, he's consistently wanting them to remember. And there's celebrations and and things he put in place so that they would consistently try to remember who God is and what he's done in, in the life and the people of Israel. And so in this particular chapter, chapter seven, Samuel is asking the people, you know, if they want to turn their hearts to God. And that's in response to them after 20 years of feeling abandoned. They felt like Philistines were constantly at war with them. There wasn't any peace. And now 20 years have gone by. Samuel is, you know, building his maturity in his walk with God and and the role as the prophet for them. And so in that, he is able to basically speak up and say, if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images and Asherahs, turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. And in this truth, he gets to mark God's faithfulness because the people actually were able to turn their hearts and asking Samuel to pray for them and God revealing how, you know his victory for them and, and allowing Israel to have a victory over the Philistines in that specific place where they had 20 plus years experienced the loss and then ended up losing the ark and the sons of Eli getting killed and all of that turmoil that they were in the middle of and all that disobedience and and they weren't keeping their eyes fixed on God. But in in that one moment, they were able to just focus on God and trust that he was going to be who he has been for them. And they trusted that. I think that's for me, just creating that marker that says God is faithful. Yeah. And I think the truth that I was really reflecting on out of this passage is, yeah, definitely the remembering, but specifically remembering that God responds to humble obedience and he's faithful in that context where we get to really experience his will and his care and his protection. And prior, I mean, this isn't the only time the Philistines and the Israelites battled. They had several wars and battles ongoing. And uh, prior to this, they had actually instead of asking for the Israelites, instead of asking God for help in a prior situation, they just assumed God's will and they marched out on their own thinking they had this battle and they took the Ark of the Covenant with them. They had that much pride where it was like, we're just going to take the Ark of the Covenant, almost as though God was at their beck and call instead of the humble surrender of, Lord, we need you. And and that's, you know, when they were just defeated and the ark was taken for a period of time. And so to me, the truth really comes back to this idea that God is always faithful. I mean, his faithfulness isn't even dependent on whether we're doing well or not, whether we're being obedient or not, but we don't get to experience his faithfulness when we're not in the place of humble obedience. It's still there. It's still available to us. But I took the opposite of the words humble obedience too and realized that the opposite of it is arrogant. It's the opposite of humble. And to me, the opposite of obedience is self-will. It's the idea that I call my own shots. 
I can determine my own way, my own path. I don't really need God. I'm enough. To me, really, that's uh, such a clear, we live either in humble obedience or we're probably living in arrogant self-will. Really, Samuel's desire, I think, in setting up this remembrance, thus far the Lord has helped us. Even that language, thus far, shows this humility of, I'm what we know of God, he has shown consistently, but he's not even trying to declare what God's going to do in the future necessarily. He's just holding on to that humility of we, the one thing that we know that we know that we know is that when we've surrendered to God, when we have come to him, when we have humbled ourselves and said, Lord, please help us. We're turning our hearts, our lives back to you. God has answered. And that was Israel's history. And so Samuel really is setting up this stone of remembrance. That's what Ebenezer means. It means stone of help or stone of remembrance to declare that truth of God is faithful. And when we're humble and when we trust him, we always experience his faithfulness. And so I I really love that truth in in this passage. Melina, do you have a way that this truth translated into a choice for you? Yes. Uh, The one of the things that came up as I was thinking through choice, how do I remember? And I'm a memento person. I, I find myself in opportunities where I can have some solitude and I can pray and really take time to be with the Lord. And I find that in those places of solitude, there's always something that is a, either a tangible thing. One of them, the last time I went to the beach, I was able to find seven sand dollars. That was really cool to kind of mark that time with him and that healing that he did. A couple, gosh, more than a couple, it was quite a while ago when I, probably the first year or so when I met the Lord in a time of prayer, he was able to show me Half Dome as the remembrance. And it was an interesting marker because it was like, I felt like he was handing me stones in my prayer and I was like building something, but it just... I was like, come on already. Like, I remember just thinking there's so many stones. And then it was just this revelation of half dome being etched in, um, like with his finger, like he had just wrote trust. And it's like, you can trust me. Like, this is where I'm showing you this moment right here, right now, Melina. You have trusted me this far, and I'm going to show you to continue to trust me. And that, that when I still look at pictures of half dome, that's, I still see that marked in there. So it was just remembering those kinds of things and that choice, like, how do I remember one of the things as you're sharing, I was reminded on Friday mornings, I have a standing phone call with a friend and it's our Philippians 4, 8 time. And it's that reflecting on the week of the things that are lovely and beautiful and praiseworthy. And I'm just thinking through what this this verse is and realizing that's that's what that is it's like thus far look what the lord has done and that's just really encouraging to me as i think through that's the heart of that conversation and i appreciate as that time that we have what is what it's demonstrating so i just thought that was kind of cool well way to pick one of the most uh, notable rocks in the world for your stone of remembrance for what god has done Well, as I was thinking about the choice, the first thing that came to my mind is that choosing not to remember is choosing to forget. 
and we're incredibly forgetful. I'm incredibly forgetful. <laughs> Even in some of the most beautiful and life-changing things that God has done for me, I can get myself into a situation where I'm stressed or busy or going through something difficult. And it's almost like I forget (laughs) how he has helped me, how he has rescued me, how he has been faithful and answered prayers. And so I think that we, our choice, we have to actively choose to remember. And I think you, honestly, when I look at scripture, I'm overgeneralizing right now, but we have this big, thick Bible And a lot of it is God saying the same thing to us over and over and over in different ways, beautiful ways, um, stories, examples, but we need to be told (laughs) over and over. We need to be able to hold on to the truth of who he is and what he is doing in this world and how he cares for us because we're just incredibly forgetful. So I think I was thinking through kind of steps of how do how do we not forget when we have those moments where we've seen God, we've maybe really humbled and cried out to him for help and he answered. How do we not forget that? So I was just kind of thinking through the steps. And to me, the first one is we have to recognize what God has done. We have to give him credit from the start. We have to say, this was you, God. This was not us. We were kind of being sort of lousy, you know, followers of you for a while there, but this was you. You did this work, God. So that's the first thing. The second thing is putting it into words, I think helps, but I'm I'm more of a word person. I'm not a momento person so much. For me, it's just certain words or things that God has spoken that that really um, I can treasure in my heart. Um, So put it into words if you can. And then a third part of that, I think that is really important part of remembering is to share that with somebody else. Actually speak out loud the truth of what God has done. And I think that has power from the standpoint of we're giving God glory. We're allowing that to be go beyond just ourselves and giving testimony with other people. And, and I also think it strengthens our own faith. There's something about when we actually speak out and give witness to something that it just, God moves in that and it has strength in, in helping us to hold on to that and remember. And I feel like I just recently got to experience that. So I thought I would just share in case this helps listeners to connect Um, with what we're saying. But so I run programs at a women's children's shelter. And with it being the Thanksgiving holiday, I knew that I was going to be the one hosting that for the families. And I've hosted a lot of holidays for shelters and for women and kids over the years. And sometimes I love it. And sometimes I struggle with being resentful about my holiday being taken. And I was feeling that way a, a little bit, getting my eyes on myself a couple weeks ago, and I felt the Holy Spirit just start talking to me about, Crystal, what if I want to do something really beautiful, not just for these women and kids, but for you? What if I want to do something beautiful? And I just felt the Holy Spirit begin to work on my heart and start giving me these ideas of how to have a beautiful outdoor Thanksgiving feast, which I've never experienced. I'm from the cold northern country. You know, we've got snow and we're inside at that time. But down here, it's like, hey, it could be really warm, actually. And so, but I didn't know what the weather would be. But I just had this picture of this beautiful 
thanks, big long Thanksgiving table with all these families, women and children gathered around. And just the picture that is of who God is as well, like his invitation for us to come to him and um, to have a seat at the table. And so I uh, just started praying for good weather, praying for good food, which I'm I love to make things beautiful. I'm not a great cook. So the fact that I needed to cook for like 25 people, I was like pretty much giving myself an ulcer. But just all these things that I just started praying and asking God for that, you know, that women would be healthy and they'd be able to come, their kids would be healthy. Sometimes the families I work with, they don't always get to have their kids. And so started praying for that each mom would have each one of her kids there. And there was probably honestly a list of maybe like 10 things that I just started praying and asking God for. And then yesterday being Thanksgiving, I got to sit and watch as God literally unfolded and answered every single one of those prayer requests down to the little things. And I think in that too, I mean, I felt so blessed by that, just God's love and care for for myself and for these women. But the bigger thing that he did in that is he also didn't just answer prayers, but he changed my heart. He gave me so much joy to be part of that Thanksgiving and uh, like genuinely, like it was a beautiful day and I loved it and I didn't feel resentful or sorry for myself. Like, you know, my holidays do look different right now in this time of life than they did a couple years ago when I was surrounded by family. But none of that clouded any part of this because God just did that work in my heart. And to me, that's the thing I need to remember, even more than the fact that he gave me us a, a beautiful 70 degree Thanksgiving day, which was, I actually prayed specifically for 70 degrees. It was exactly 70 degrees. But so it's like, I see, I gave witness to seeing God answer to show up. Thus far, he has helped us. Thus far, like the Lord is always faithful. He changed my heart. He got every single last kid there. He took care of everything. The food didn't get burnt. There were so many things. But it's like, okay, how do I hold on to that? How do I remember that? And so today I was able to sit with um, a couple of the the staff that I work with, and we just literally out loud acknowledged and gave thanks to every single thing that God had done and every prayer that he had answered. And to me, that's tangibly what this means when we say, okay, we're going to acknowledge what God has done. We're going to speak it out loud, and we're going to give him praise together. And I felt like it was a little Ebenezer moment in, in my work office this morning to say, look, God, what you did. And we humbled. I had to humble myself. Um, I had to get out of the pride of like, why am I always the one doing the holidays for, you know, the shelter? I had to get over myself and by God's grace, he helped me and I was able to genuinely come to him with a humble heart and say, Lord, please help. I want you to be the one that provides this Thanksgiving for these women and kids. I want them to feel your love, for them to feel that they're seen and they're known and that they're important to you. And God came through like above and beyond what I could have imagined. And then we got to give him praise for that. So I think that's a way that I have just recently experienced on a very small scale, (laughs) this passage. So God loves and responds to humble obedience and he is faithful. And we can say genuinely thus far, the Lord has helped us. He has. Melina, would you close us in prayer? Lord, we just thank you that thus far you have helped us. And I ask that you would allow us this week to have hearts that remember, that we would remember your faithful love endures forever. 
that we would have hearts that are filled with gratitude. And it is in that posture, Lord, that we can say thank you. It is only in that posture, that hum- that humble, obedient servant posture, that we can put our hands up and say thank you. Continue to prepare us for the things that you have for us this week, and that uh, in each circumstance, that we would remember you are the one who's put everything in order, that every detail you have in place, and all you desire is for us to come to the table, like Crystal just shared, Lord, just come to the table in that humble, obedient place so that we can watch you work. So I just thank you for the the work that we can share that you've done in our lives, Lord, and I ask that you would continue to keep our hearts and our minds open to your word and the work you want to do so we can continue to celebrate who you are and the things you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.